Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, yes, that is good. Hate to interrupt your conversation. Say hello to the person next to you. Shake their hands. Tell them you're glad to see them here this morning. I'm glad to be in church today. I want to welcome all of you here to Grace Church. If you're joining us on live stream, welcome as well. We believe that God can do something miraculous in your life no matter where you are. We appreciate God's presence in our lives, and we ask that you are receptive to what the Lord's going to do here today. I believe God's going to do something. Praise the Lord. There's a few announcements we have. Tuesday, October 4th, we will have our first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, October 29th, we will have the second annual chili cook-off. Right. Praise the Lord. Keep that enthusiasm for a little bit later. Praise the Lord. If you'd like to enter a pot of chili, please contact Sister Sheila Landry. October 9th, Brother Daniel Gums will be speaking in the 11th a.m. service. And October 15th, there will be a health seminar with chiropractor Dr. Butler in the A Center at 9 a.m. I want to worship the Lord this morning. How about you? Can we stand to our feet? Can we lift our voices to the Lord? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and let's lift our voices to God. Let Him know that we appreciate Him, that we love Him, and that we're receptive to Him. God bless you.
in our worship team. Thank you for that. And it was more beautiful than I imagined. I was thinking while they were singing that song that it would sure be an awesome thing to be in heaven right now. But then I thought, I really don't want to go without all of you. It would be awesome if we could all go together. It would be awesome if we could all looking forward to that time when he'll wipe all the tears away and there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. Aren't you looking forward to that time? There's really nothing here worthy of missing that moment. 
Let's rejoice in the promise that we have in the Lord today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I would like to have that sung at my funeral. I would. I'd love for Casey to do it. That would be a tall mountain to climb, I think. Well, let's move on. Great to see everybody here today. Thank you so very much for coming and being a part of our service today. Those of you watching uh, via media, thank you so much for being with us today as well. I'd like to take just a moment and just say a couple of things before we go to the word of the Lord. I do have a message to preach today and uh, I'm trusting that you're all open to the word of the Lord, but before we do that, I want to thank Brother Ben here today. Um, he talked to me several months ago and said, I just need a, a sabbatical. I wanted to take off uh, teaching, uh, what have you, for three months. And we accommodated that, as you know. But he's back. And I'm thankful he's back. Very thankful he's back. I would like for this to be a very public and a very visible lesson to all of our leadership team. If you need some time off, let us know. You don't have to leave the church. A lot of people do that. And that's the only way they know how to get out of their job for a while. But you let us know and we will accommodate you. And he's been a sterling example of that. As we announced this past Wednesday night, I'm very happy to announce again this morning that uh, we have a very special guest that will be speaking at our up-and-coming Christmas banquet, and we hope all of you are saving the date and planning to be a part of that. Um, it's going to be our dearest friend, Brother Greg Albritton, and he's going to be all comedy, no serious. And there's a few people that's already said, he does comedy? You have no idea. Yes, he does. He can go from a foot-washing preaching service to one of the funniest people you've ever heard. And uh, I'd say that in all due respect. So plan for that. We have another surprise about our Christmas banquet that we will be announcing probably next month. So uh, I'm keeping our young people strung out with this as long as I possibly can. Before I turn to the Word of God, I had an inspiration. I was sitting on my front porch uh, kind of early yesterday morning and uh, just meditating and thinking about the service today and there was something that hit me hard it hit me strong I wanted to build a message out of it and didn't have time maybe in the future but it occurred to me and I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt they were in the wilderness and they were hungry and he provided for them manna it occurred to me yesterday that everybody that left Egypt got their share of manna. It didn't matter what their attitude was. It didn't matter if God was happy with them that day or not. They all equally got their manna. It didn't matter how close to God you were or not close to God you were. The only requirement is you had to walk outside of your tent to get it. And 
I'm going to ask some people here today. I'm going to ask a lot of people here today for what I'm about to preach. You might have to walk out of your tent to get it, but it's going to be worth it. To a lot of people here today, God wants to do something amazing. There's things that's going to fall down out of heaven today, but you're going to have to walk out of yourself. You're going to have to go beyond yourself a little bit. You're going to have to get over yourself a little bit to get what God has for you. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite. What that means in Murphy commentary is nobody had a clue who this man was. That's what that means. He was a Tishbite. And, and there's no nothing after the end. Nobody had a clue who this man was. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, according to my word. What that means in simple English is Elijah stopped the rain, and it was not going to rain again until he said so. That's what that means. And that happened. For three and a half years, Israel had no rain. I want to talk to you. There was something else that happened that very few people put together. But during those three and a half years, there were some of the most prolific miracles that God has ever performed. I want to preach to you for a little while about the miracles during a drought. You don't have to get out of your tent this morning if you want it. We'll talk to you about the miracles during a drought. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me describe as quickly as I can, because the clock is ticking, the way it was in Israel. In 1 Kings 17, it, it begins with the word and, and it indicates that it was a great time, a great horrible time of spiritual darkness. King Ahab had provoked God more than any other king in the history of of Israel, The Bible says so in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33. And Abraham made a grove, and Abraham, excuse me, Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. The problem with Ahab isn't that he was necessarily a wicked man, but that he was a weak man man. He had literally become the tool of a crafty and unscrupulous woman named Jezebel, who incidentally was also his wife. She completely endorsed the religion of Nimrod's wife, who lived around the time of Noah. Uh, her name was Semiramis. She was the beginnings, if you will, of the religious system of what became Babylon uh, is now very prevalent in the Middle East. Ahab fell under the sway of a spirit of deception that we talked about Wednesday night. He fell under the sway of a deception and a manipulation. After Ahab married her for political reasons, she immediately 
went to work to destroy Israel and all the effects and influence of Jehovah God and the nation of Israel. She built a temple to Astarte in Jezreel and supported 450 priests of Baal. She built a temple to Baal in Samaria. She surrounded the land with shrines and groves to Baal. She started tearing down as many altars as of Jehovah that she could find. Let me say in passing that neglected and abandoned altars will be torn down eventually by the influences of worldliness and evil. Everybody say amen. The priests of Baal were everywhere. And once all of the uh, construction to Baal was completed, then Jezebel set out on an offensive and cranked up the fires of persecution with a passion. Her fury was stoked and her hunger for the blood of the prophets became insatiable. The prophets of God were hunted down and killed by her. These prophets wandered about in the land in goatskins and sheepskins. Obadiah, who served on the court of Ahab, he was a prophet in Ahab's house. He managed to hide some of these prophets in a cave. He did his best to shield them from the wrath of this terrible and awful queen. The Bible indicates that some 7,000 of God's prophets were hidden away and they were paralyzed with fear. When you look at it from a simple point of logic, it appears that all is lost. The fact of the matter was that the nation could not have been more ripe for a revival than they were at that time. The Bible said in Isaiah 59, and we all know it, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And I believe that even to this day I believe that. Suddenly, the standard that God was going to rise up, if you will, suddenly on the scene, out of nowhere, a nobody, Somebody that nobody had ever really heard of comes a man named Elijah. Gilead was east of the Jordan River. It was a wild and rough land, and it was the schoolhouse that God was going to use to turn Elijah into what he has become known as the prophet of fire. I want to say to everybody here today, I want to say to our ministry team here today, don't question the place you may be in spiritually. Instead of trying to abandon your relationship with God, let God take that low place of spirituality and use it to turn you into an anointed vessel of Almighty God. And everybody clap your hands to the Lord. So as Elijah grew, he was earnest for God. He heard of Jezebel turned down the altar, down the altars. He heard of Jezebel slaying the prophets. He had heard about Jezebel building temples to Baal and replacing the altars to Jehovah with idols. What was one single man of God going to do about all of this? Could one man really make that much difference? What was a wild, unschooled, 
unmentored shepherd going to do about all this? Elijah comes along and says, I'm tired of this mess. I'm tired of the sin. I'm tired of the idolatry. I'm tired of the degradation. I'm tired of the people of God backing up. I'm just tired of all of it. Sometimes, and we all know this, some of you have experienced it, a person can be pushed and pushed and pushed until finally his back is against the wall, he draws a line in the sand and says enough is enough. I'm caught at that point right now. I'm ready to see, and I believe Grace Church is ripe for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen before. There's a lot of things wrong, but I have a God that's still right, and I have a God that's right for such a situation as some of you folks are in today. So this is when you start allowing where you are to start working for you. You turn the table on the devil, which has been said so many times. You start allowing your frustration to become fruitful. If you're lukewarm, get sick of it. Okay. Do we need to rewind and start over? Or y'all going to get behind me a little bit and say something when we say something that's, it would be nice to get a good cold, denominational amen <clears throat> once in a while. If you're apathetic towards your relationship with God, use it to your advantage. If you feel like you're backsliding, if you are backslidden, use it to your advantage. If you're tired of going through the motion, if you're tired of being critical, if you're a, a husband here today, a father, and you're weak like Ahab, get sick of it. If you're persecuting Jezebel, by the way, God knows what to do with Jezebels. Yes, he does. Get sick of it. If you're a dissenting voice, if your altars have been torn down, and if you have built a temple in your life to an idol, get sick of it. All of these things can push a person towards revival. It can push a church toward revival. These things ought to push our church towards a revival. It ought to cause churches to be driven to be different. The worse our world gets, the more ripe it becomes for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Yes, it does. And so does you. And so does your family. Thank God. So, remember Joseph telling his brothers his dreams? I think there was a lack of wisdom there. But it worked. It took a long time, but it worked. And the dreams came to pass. This is kind of how I feel about Elijah. When he was fed up with what was going on in Israel, how he handled it. I'm not sure it was the wisest thing to do, but he did it. God honored it, and it worked. Elijah decides that the best thing to do is to barge right into the king's court and tell the king what God is going to do. It's found in James 5.17. Elijah was a man subject to passions as we are. In other words, he was probably as scared to death as you and I would be. Jezebel could have had him killed and she did try to find him numerous times and couldn't find him. 
But he barged right into Ahab's throne room, if you will. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not, the Bible said, on the earth by the space of three and a half years. He wanted this to be fulfilled. He wanted revival in Israel. And he desired to see God stand up and show the people who were still in charge. He wanted God. He wanted to create an opportunity. He wanted to create an opportunity. He wanted to create, you're not hearing me today. He wanted to God to God to have an opportunity. He wanted to open the door that God could not refuse to walk into. He'll do that for some of you folks. If you'll start responding a little bit and get prepared to get out of your tent in a few minutes. The more he prayed, the more conviction grew. God had already let him on a, in on a secret, no doubt, that the worse the drought gets in Israel, the greater the miracles are going to be. I don't know how many of you are hearing this. But it's not going great in our world, as you know. And it could be even a whole lot better here at Grace Church, and I think all of us would agree to that. But God uses this little concept that the worse it gets, that's when you're the most ripe. When the heavens have been shut up in your life, when you haven't heard God in months and months, you even hadn't prayed through the Holy Ghost in months and months. There's people here today that hadn't prayed through the Holy Ghost in months. Probably some even longer than that. And it seems like the further away you drift, the greater the opportunity it is for God to miraculously step into your life. But you're going to have to get out of your tent. If you want to gather it up, you have to get past yourself a little bit and walk out there and gather up what God has for you today. That doesn't sound right to us. I would be, I would have a propensity to believe today that if the heavens were shut up, the Bible said God shut down the windows of heaven. He closed it. There ain't no point in praying anymore. The heavens are shut up. It's all closed up. So why even have any faith anymore? Why even trust God anymore? I know it's a, a paradox to a lot of us here today. But this year has testified to me, not only in my own personal life, but there are several other people here today that this year has testified to me that when it seems like we just can't get the heavens open like we want it to open. The praise team once in a while sings a chorus. I think Michael W. Smith sang it years ago. Open the windows of heaven and let it rain. Open the windows of heaven and let it rain. Well, sometimes the windows of heaven aren't open. And sometimes it doesn't rain. But that does not keep God from performing the miraculous. That is awesome. And thank you all for jumping to your feet and clapping to your hands and saying, preach it. That is amazing and that is wonderful. During this time frame, 
while the heavens were all closed up, it did not stop Elijah. And he's the one that closed up the heavens. He's the one that told God, it ain't raining a drop till I say so. And God said, okay. But God, there are some miracles that I'm going to need. And there are some miracles that some other people are going to need. And the miraculous power of God has nothing to do with the heavens being open to a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost or not. Immediately on the hills of Elijah telling Ahab that there would be no rain, God sends him down to the brook Cherith. Notice this. The place where God sent Elijah was a spiritual retreat for him. It was in the back country, if you will, and hidden away from the eyes of the enemy. So God protected him. Not was always going to be this way, but God protected him. The prophets of the groves were eating from Jezebel's table while Elijah was hidden by God down at the brook. Twice a day, the Bible said that Elijah was fed by ravens. Do you all know what that is? These are meat-eating birds, and they don't share. They're birds of prey. They're noted for their ravenous appetites. They are very large with wingspans up to four feet across. They are very fierce-looking in their appearance, and they were more likely to have attempted to take the meat away from Elijah than to give it to him. They fed on dead stuff. And were at best still, I'll call them dirty birds, okay? They were unclean birds. The biggest dilemma for Elijah was that that they were unclean. In God's world, joy is often found in the place of conflict. In God's world, power is often discovered from yesterday's victory. In God's world, encouragement is often drawn from the things that have tried to devour us. Trials produce for us the greatest advantage. And in God's world, yesterday's pain can become tomorrow's comfort. We have to understand God don't think like we do. God don't operate like we do. So God has set a precedent. And he has the divine ability that says, I can shut up the heavens and there will be no rain. But that does not stop me from pouring out the miraculous. And you may say, what does this mean? Let me explain. Let me make it relevant. Preaching to everybody here today. The world around you and the future in front of you may seem so bleak and hopeless and fruitless. With no hope to the point you may ask why even try It seems that maybe some of you feel like you're under some kind of curse or judgment. I want you to notice the paradox here. A weak king, Ahab, is sitting on the throne. He represents no authority and no priority, no control, and a loss of what's important. There's a wicked king and queen next to him. Jezebel represents seduction, replacing our relationship with God with anything and everything but God. But then here comes a righteous preacher. Represents the voice of God. And when he speaks, it seems like everything starts going backwards. Your whole world is drying up around you. And somehow the ultimate blame is laid out at the feet of the preacher or the church. But hang on. God is sending you a raven. You may be unsure and full of doubt. Listen to Pastor Murphy today. You may be unsure and full of doubt. But I encourage you today. 
Take what God has for you. It may come in the mouth of a raven or some strange source that you thought is entirely impossible. God is going to take care of you today. But you're going to have to get out of your tent to get it. Oh, my. Oh, my. There's people here today. Your world is full of drought and hopelessness and despair. But God has a raven heading your way. Don't be afraid. Take what God wants to give and partake of what God wants to provide. The heavens may be shut up right now in your life, but God can still perform the miraculous. Woo! Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. Who's heard this before? Little is much when God is in it. Have you ever heard that before? The next thing that happens is God allows, God allows the brook that he sent Elijah to. He allowed that brook to dry up because of the drought. But God's not done. When he sent Elijah to Cherith, it was a safe place. But now God speaks to Elijah and he is sent to Zarephath because God understands he's going to need to eat. And Elijah was learning and accepting the fact that my set of circumstances is never out of God's ability to control it. What is interesting about God sending Elijah to Zarephath is that this is a stomping grounds of Jezebel. He saved Elijah from being found by Jezebel. Now he's putting her right, putting him right in her backyard. He's going to eat in the backyard of his most violent enemy. And it can look pretty bad sometimes. There's no rain, there's stifling heat, dirty birds hanging around, having to go to the heathen in Zarephath. This Gentile woman, there's dying prophets, there's hiding prophets, there's great temples of idols and all of that. And not a single one of these circumstances controlled or dictated what God is going to do. None of these things did. God said to shut up the heavens with your prayer so I can be shown alive. In the midst of all of this foolishness, all of this sin and idolatry and Ahabs and Jezebels and so on. Drought is one of the recognized judgments of apostasy in the Bible. We're in one right now, kind of. No burn ban and all that going on right now. Deuteronomy 11 says, take heed to yourself that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. God decided to show the folks who, that were worshiping Baal who's in charge here. Baal was supposed to be the God of the sky and the God of the fire. And before it was over with, God would show that Baal could not bring rain nor fire. So Elijah ambles on to Zarephath because something little was about to accomplish a whole lot. You know the story. When Elijah asked for something to eat, the widow he came in contact with in Zarephath says, Funny you ask, because we're fixing to die ourselves. We're going to eat this little bit that we have here. And when it's gone, we're going to settle in for starvation to take us. 
Your need can sometimes be the route for someone else's miracle. It is just difficult to see it like this sometimes. And through my own hunger, someone else will benefit. That is why when God shuts down the heavens, he had already decided that there was going to be a stream of miracles. This little lady finally decided just to follow through on the strange instructions of the prophet in 1 Kings 17. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little hall and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it and make it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go with as thou hast said and make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and make after, after that make for thee and thy son. And she and thus saith the Lord, he said, The barrel of meal shall not waste, and neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So through Elijah's hunger, he fed this woman and her son until it started raining again. If, you ever, if you'll ever be obedient to God in these kind of situations, no matter how strange and unexplainable, God will take the heavens that are shut down and perform miracles in your life. A little meal and a little oil can accomplish a whole lot. This is a huge dilemma that the devil wants to use to shut down our faith will with. You only have a little bit for yourself. You don't have enough to share. You don't have a little oil. You don't have a little money. All you have is a little influence. All you have is a sling and a rock. All you have is a jawbone. All you have is a scarlet thread. All you have is a little opportunity. All you have, all you have, all you have. And none of it is never enough. And on top of that, the heavens are shut up. There's only a few that shows up for ladies' prayer on Tuesday morning. There's, there's only a, 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 a percentage of our church that shows up for Tuesday night prayer. Some may even consider our church to be small. A lot of people do. But I've learned, as the old saying goes, little is much when God is in it. The little that we have can suddenly become so powerful in the hands of God. Let me go to my next point because the clock is ticking. Past blessings does not cancel out future trouble. That is true. I'm going to just briefly pass over this third miracle, but for the sake of time, if I'm not careful, this could turn into a four-hour sermon. As a result of this woman taking care of Elijah... There was a son born. God honored her with a son. And the Bible said when he was at a certain age, he fell sick and the sickness was sore and he died. So the promised son that God gave this woman died as a young child. And on top of that, the heavens are shut up. In case you haven't noticed, all of these miracles that have occurred has occurred when the heavens were shut down. All of these things happened when the heavens were shut down. It's pushing on three and a half years now, and everybody's getting tense and nervous. Ahab is aggravated. Jezebel's mad. Obadiah's afraid. Obadiah's prophets are in caves. There's 7,000 prophets that are living in fear. The drought has exacerbated the whole situation. Ahab 
is demanding a confrontation with Elijah. 1 Kings 18, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he, Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed after Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Ahab is like our flesh. It's weak and it's waffling. It's whining. And there are times that a full-blown confrontation sometimes has to occur, and it was a case with Elijah. And he's the one that invited Ahab and all the prophets of Baal to the party. The business of confrontation will work in your life. You have to confront some things before the fire is ever going to fall. You have to come outside of your tent. The business of confrontation will work in your life, but you have to come outside of your tent. If you're walking in the vanity of your mind, if you have a darkened understanding, if you feel like you've been alienated from a relationship with God, if ignorance has ruled you long enough and blindness of heart, if you're still bitter over a past feeling and you've been given over to lasciviousness and work and uncleanness, Paul said to put all of these things off to confront them. Enough is enough. I'm tired of living like I'm living. I'm tired of living where I'm living. I'm tired of doing what I'm doing. I'm tired of being what I'm being. I want a better home. I want a better life. I want a better marriage. I want a better promise of a future. Listen to pastor today. If you'll get out of your tent and confront the things that's going on in your life, there's a God that has fire for you that will fall down out of heaven. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on a new man. Hunger for righteousness and holiness. Put on truth. Put on long-suffering. Give yourself to labor. Let purity flow from your mouth. Let encouragement flow out of your life. Pursue the spirit of God. Embrace kindness. Work toward forgiveness. Spiritual confrontation is good for us because whenever we're willing to confront the false prophets of Baal, the fire always falls. When you're willing to confront what's wrong in your life, the fire always falls. And it falls even when the heavens are shut up. Oh, that's exactly what happened on the mountainside in Carmel. I've been there, and it was quite an experience. When the prophets of Baal showed up, they began to show out. They climbed on the altar. They cried. They screamed. They wailed in an effort to implore Baal. They cut themselves until blood was pouring. They prophesied all day long and nothing happened. And Elijah started making fun of them and saying, maybe he's sick. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's taking off a day or two. Just keep on. Just keep on. Just keep on. By now, Elijah is having a ball with these people. They proved out the next thing, the next point. What acts up has to be exposed. And they sure did expose themselves out of that day, how stupid and how foolish and how ignorant they really were. And this is the way that the devil works best. Whenever he's about to be exposed and thrown out of comfortable surroundings, he starts acting in all manner of loud and uncouth ways. 
It is very true. The young man in Mark chapter 9, possessed of the devil, would throw himself into the ground, the fire, the water. He would froth at the mouth. The young girl and in Acts 16, the devil took her and she loudly proclaimed, mocking that these men are the, of the most high. Paul was talking about the apostles in Mark 5. A demoniac was confined to the tombs and he ran around breaking chains and running around naked and causing all kind of chaos. This is what the devil does when he knows he's living on borrowed time. And a whole lot of trouble that's going on in the lives of a lot of people here today could be that God wants you to confront what's going on in your life, what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your home, what's going on on the job. Just go ahead and confront it eyeball to eyeball and, and, and draw a line in the sand and say, I'm fed up with all of this. I'm going to engage the power of the Most High God. I'm going to call on the only one who can save me out of all of this stuff. God, I want your provision. I want your miracle. I want your divine authority. So, 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 if you want it, you're going to have to come out of your tent. have to come out of your tent. You don't have to bow up a little bit and say it's kind of scary out there and it's, there's a lot of people out there and they're all looking at me. What the Jews had to understand when the manna would fall down out of heaven is there was always enough for everybody. Not too much. You couldn't gather too much. You can't gather a miracle for tomorrow. It's got to be for today. But you had to get out of your tent to go get it. And you know what? When you step out of your tent and you decide that I'm tired of the way things are and the heavens have been shut up in my life for months and months and years and years and all of that, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. When you step out of the tent, there is nothing to be afraid of and there's nothing to be intimidated about. Because there's a whole crowd of people that's standing out there and they want the same thing from God that you want. Nobody pointing fingers and judging. Nobody pointing fingers and saying, what are you doing out here? Why have you come out of your tent? We're all out here for the same purpose. So, here it comes. If you stand with me this morning, Elijah confronts the 450 prophets of Baal. It's 450 to 1. Hear me, O Lord, Elijah prayed, that this people may know that thou art God and that thou hast turned, they have turned their back, their heart back again. I want to say here in passing, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There's people here today that if you would really get on fire for God like you once were, there's probably about three, four, five people you could win back to God in just a matter of weeks that are in a worse place than you are. They're just looking for somebody to help them confront the things in their life. I believe that with all of my heart. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them. Here's the fun part. Elijah said unto Ahab, 
get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and saw nothing. He went seven times, and you know that story. And on this came to pass on the seventh time, and he said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens was black with clouds, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I believe Grace Church is ripe for a move of God like we've not seen. We've had many moments like this. Sometimes we move on them and sometimes we do not. And generally what happens when we don't move on this opportunity that God has given us to enjoy a presence and power of God like we've not seen is because we're too afraid to get out of our tent. Just can't walk up here to the front, Pastor. I just, I just, just, I don't want people praying with me. I don't want people praying around me. Okay, well you just sit in your tent and keep on dealing with all the stuff you're dealing with. Get past yourself. Somebody here this morning, just get past yourself for a little while. Just try it. And see if you don't open the door of opportunity for God to start working in your life like you've not seen or maybe haven't seen in a long, long time. Miracles can happen even when you feel like the heavens are shut up in your life. God can still do the miraculous. Yes, He can. So as they begin to sing, to come down here. Ministry team's going to help. I know they're on board. And we're going to see God do some amazing stuff. If you have something you need in your life, bring it down here with you. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you.
Jesus, Jesus. 